Welcome to the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast. Hi, I'm David Manti, and welcome to a new episode of the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast. With me today is Cullen Reichardt, founder and CEO of Green Bros. How's it going today, Cullen? It's great, David. How are you? I'm doing excellent. The first uh, repeat guest. I'm happy it's you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's All good. Right. All right. Well, before we get started, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You could also help us out a lot by leaving the podcast a positive review on whatever platform you use. Finally, if you want to email the podcast, you can reach me at david at cannabisequipmentnews.com. So, Cullen, the last time we talked to you was about November 2020. How has Green Bros tra- changed over the last, I don't know, year and a half? Uh, well, I mean, let's say that, you know, like everybody, man, it was crazy, right? We, we've all been through it. Um, uh, but internally, the company has gone through a lot of uh, really solid structural changes that have needed to happen. Um, we've been doing a lot of uh, housekeeping uh, by, uh, by, you know, uh, bolstering our lean our, uh, and, and, and kind of all of our process evaluation. We're actually in the ISO 9000 certification right now. So we're really kind of pushing the company to the next level as far as just being really organized and structured and, and getting all of our, you know, uh, shit in one sock, as I say. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how's it going transferring everything to a single sock? Wow, that's a great question. It is. Well, you know what? It's 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 not like something you know that you don't have to do. You know, you have to. It's not not a question of you know. It's not a question of doing. It's a question of how, right? Mm-hmm. So then you just kind of you 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 kind of have to have good people and people who understand structure. And can implement structure without breaking the, uh, the the pieces that already exist, and and that's the challenge is really getting getting from that moment of a little bit of chaos to more structured without without damaging the egos or or the psyche of mm-hmm. the people who are not used to that structure. So you got to get their buy in, and one of the ways we do that is have them help write SOPs and and give feedback. And so we're always working on trying to keep people engaged uh, at every level, because um, if when I went through ISO, I think the first time, and I don't know why I'm talking ISO, but I went through ISO with a, with a company uh, uh, called Hewlett Packard, I think is the one, the big one that I went through. That, I mean, I'd heard of that company, but uh, <laughs> yeah. that was a top down, hey, you're gonna do this, you know? And it was like, ah, we all died. Yeah. Um, but uh, in this regard, it doesn't, make a lot of sense. I mean, we're, you know, we're not that many people. And if you enforce things like that, what you end up is getting a lot of broken eggs and uh, you do break eggs when you, when, you know, when you're baking, but you have to, you have to choose those battles and stuff. And so we, we try to get more buy-in and more support and get people more engaged. And we find that, you know, engaging them at that level gives them the opportunity to, to feel much more a part of what's going on. And mm-hmm. man, it's hard to keep people right now. You know, so the more you can get them in, the better. I think. Well, it is, it's a dif- been a difficulty for anybody since the beginning of business, right? Is that as you go from startup or new company and you scale, how do you do that? Making things a little bit cleaner while maintaining that company culture. Well, right. And then the, the big scare is we're going to be corporate, uh, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and, uh, and you are. Uh, it sucks, you know, but there's some real value. There's real value in some of the corporate, right? There's a lot of stuff that's over corporatized and gets the negativity, but you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater and just assume that all things corporate are all things evil because it's just not true. I mean, corporations become uh, focused and tight or they die. You know, they don't, they're not doing these things because because they, they, they think it's a great endeavor. They go, you know, it's like, this is economics 101. Now we got to get, we got to get more productivity. We got to get more margin. We got to get more efficacy. We got to get more whatever. Uh, and then, and all of that is, is all these lessons are lessons that corporations have learned over, you know, however many years they've been in business or they borrowed from other people. If you look at the whole lean situation, it goes way back. Um, you know, the United States took it over, the, the Japanese took it and went, oh my God, this is the best thing ever and perfected it. And then now we're all worshiping at the table of it, but it's just these really logical ways of evaluating and, and viewing things. And any company has to do those things. I think what happens when people think of corporate being corporate is they think of like too much rule, too much structure and not enough freedom. 
and, and it doesn't have to be that way at all, but you have to do things consistently. Otherwise right. you don't get consistent product. So. Right. I, I mean, to that effect, how, how are some of the ways that you guys have become focused and a little bit tighter to kind of snuff out some of those inefficiencies? Well, yeah, it's a great question. I think that the, the biggest, the things that you start to look for first are, um, you know, if there's blood, right, you're looking for problems, right? So you, you obviously go and you attack, you try and bandage up the wounds, but you have to stop when you find that spot and you have to look at that and go, well, what caused that wound? You know, what, what is the source of this real issue? You know, and then that's when you start to really discover, because if you're just putting band-aids on, you know, you basically have somebody that's not bleeding to death, but they're going to die anyway. Right. That the guy says, you know, it's not the right. blood flow, but, uh, you know, so you have to kind of dig a little bit deeper and that's where it gets a little bit more difficult because, um, you know, oftentimes we're so busy and we're focused so much on production and so much on throughput and so much on sales and so much on these, these things that have these finite numbers and uh, that make the whole thing run that you miss those things that are so structural and we're such a small company and we, we want to be agile so we, we need to continuously be able to move and we need to, so we need to look at the problems deeper and go, well, wh- why are we struggling with this particular issue? You know, what is it that's at the root of this problem? And then you kind of dig down and you go, oh, well, it's not even here. You know, it might be in a completely different area, right? It's, is it's usually a training issue or a communication issue. And those are the biggest problems that you always, that you always find. And then, if you can solve those then you stop people from having their little individual problems or problems within said system. Um, you know, we, we run a, we run a very tight ship. We run a very interesting, uh, all my products, all my raw goods comes in one side of my shop and all my finished goods go out the other side. Right. So it's all, you know, these thoughts of how to keep things from being going back, you know, trying to be efficient, but in that process, these are step by step by step by step. You have to smooth out the problems in the step and then the transfer to the next step right mm-hmm. so you're not just dealing with the the this piece of isolation you're dealing with the whole system that is maybe having shifts and shakes and struggles but they're they're those sh- struggles you have to find where they're coming from because that's where you find out where the real issue is and then you can change that and then you can change your culture and then you can become a stronger entity but if you're just you know just fixing like like uh, you find one little thing and you go, that, I know how to fix that, but you ignore the deeper issue. You don't get better. And we, we know, so we know what we have to be. We know we have to be better. We mm-hmm. we're just too small, right? We're mom and pop. I'm one guy, I run a company of 50 people and everybody does whatever they have to do. You know, we all run around and we all just like do it, you know, it's like, right. and every, and it works, you know, but it doesn't work for tomorrow. Right. right? It works today. And, we don't want to be caught with our pants down tomorrow. We want to be ready, right? And so that growth, like being prepared for growth is what we're trying to do. Um, you, you know, the country, there's, there's so many uh, instances of companies that overgrew, grew too fast, they weren't prepared, um, or, uh, you know, they were outpaced uh, uh, by demand, or they were unable to perform and all these things. And you go, well, what, what happened to this company that was such a great product and it died on the vine. And it's because, you know, there's a number of things, but principally the biggest thing is that they just didn't have the structure to support the weight mm-hmm. of that change. And we want to be structurally sound. If the change happens, we hope the change is happening. We think it's happening. We see it coming, but if I'm not prepared, it doesn't matter what happened, right? You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to get run over. And so we're trying to get to that point. So that's, again, implementing understanding process, understanding structure, understanding movement, understanding communication. And it goes through every part of your company. And then, mm-hmm. so when we started getting into ISO, which is just a stunning exercise in, in uh, it could be an exercise in futility or it could be an exercise in, in, uh, in insanity, but it can also be an exercise in just, you know, a, a true deep dive into who you are as a company and you can start to see, Oh, there's a reason why these, these things are in place in other companies because that's what keeps these things happening correctly. You know Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we have all these processes that you put in place. Like we have an engineering change order. If we have a problem with the machine, we have all this process that 
sounds like a simple thing, but you have so many people who are affected. And then you have so a little change in a document has to be uh, promulgated throughout. So you have mm-hmm. to, you know what I mean? So it can't just, you can't just do it in engineering. It's got to right. go from engineering to the floor and not just to the floor. It has to go to the people on the floor that need it the most, but it can't just go to those guys. It has to go to everybody because everybody has to be aware at some point that this change did happen. So that when they see a new part, they're not like, what the hell is this? I've never seen this before. And they throw it away. They're actually prepared to uh, uh, incorporate that. Right. So it's really easy to overlook all of the difficult or all the intricacy of what that simple change process is until you do it and you miss, right? Well, I could just go fix that one time or I can go, how do I make this process so that the next time we don't miss this? Right. So that's, that's, and that's just kind of an example of what I'm talking about. It's like, it's always looking at the thing, the picture of the company as a puzzle that needs to be built. Right. And we're yeah. always adding to it to make it better and fill it in deeper, make the picture better. When you talk about getting into ISO, are you specifically trying to attain a certain level of ISO certification or what part of the process are you going through? Yeah, so we're just doing the initial stuff, the ISO 9000, and that'll give us, like, there's two other certs in there that we're kind of pursuing. But um, it's interesting, uh, it's, it's kind of breaks down. So we're going after our manufacturing process um, and then we're going after a couple of other processes in the company. Um, but the manufacturing principally because uh, we feel very strongly that, you know, the next level of um, uh, for this company is going to be dealing with, you know, large corporate entities that are looking for that kind of structure within a company, right? You're going to say, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to come in and design and build you a custom cannabis machine. And they're going, who the hell are you? Well, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm Green Bros and we're ISO. Sir. Oh, you're ISO. Good. Okay. They know then that, you know, like I said, everything's in one sock. And that somebody has, has ordained us to be, have our shit together, you know, and uh, that's, so that's kind of what, so over this last year and over this time, which has been such a trying time for everybody, but it was trying fiscally for us. It was also trying mentally for everybody. And we, you know, we, we had a lot of turnover, um, you know, as I think most companies did, but through that time, we tried to use that time uh, to not focus on bleeding, uh, you know, not focus on, on, on poor performance, but to focus on what we can do to be ready. You know, what, what can we do? What do we have to do? Not what can we do? What do we have to do to be ready? And that's how I think of it. I don't think of it as uh, something I want to, I want to do. It's something I have to do. It's something that mm-hmm. must be done. We have to do this to what level. I don't know, but we have to do it. You know, we have to get ready um, you know, with European markets, they're, they're, the, the demands over there are much different um, with, uh, with, you know, going into a, a global marketplace. It, it's like getting certifications on all your machines that you weren't prepared for or didn't know about. It's all this stuff. It just has to be put together. So you're, that's what we've been doing. We've just been okay. building up the ship, you know, getting it ready, right? Fortifying the, 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 the machine. Did a lot of the changes come when you opened uh, the new facility in Vegas? <clears throat> So we had done some really interesting things. Thank you. That's a great question because we had done some really interesting things. Historically, um, I had implemented a lot of process and process management prior to the move. Mm-hmm. What I had done had been done with a certain group of people and they didn't come with me. Mm. And so when I moved, that got lost. Okay. And it was, you know, it was a year and a half, two years worth of work that was structural and it didn't come. And that moment made me really understand, like, you know, there's, you have to go deeper. You can't just be on people, people rely on people, change their minds. People move on. People want to go do other things. Get it. That's their prerogative. But the company as a unit has to be immune, mm-hmm. right? How do we immunize a company against loss? You know, and that's, I just had this moment of like, I don't know what I have to do or how I'm going to do this, but um, I'm very fortunate. Um, I, I brought on a, a young woman who came out of Starbucks as a manager, but she's got this incredible mind for this stuff. She's really gifted in her ability to see structure, right? Mm-hmm. And to put process in place. And so I kind of just carved out a niche for her and uh, she, she, she reports directly to me and her job is process management. And mm-hmm. so um, she's got great communication skills, works well with everybody. Uh, but so we've been able to kind of go back at it and it's not, now it's not tied to anybody, right? It's mm-hmm. not, 
tied to individual people anymore. It's core. That's the corporate. That's the structure. So now it's like in your vernacular, it's in your communications, it's in the way you do things. And hopefully, you know, if we move again or something else crazy like that happens, we don't have to go and reinvent this whole thing. We, we just say, oh, this is the structure, you know, keep moving. And it's easier to train people into it also when they know how to approach problems that they have. Right. So uh, how did some of these changes affect the product development and the launch of the Model G? Uh, well, I, I didn't constrain my engineering department. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So they're they're having to they're having to do both. Uh, uh, although they're probably the ones that need the most constraint. But anyway, uh, the grinder is an interesting conversation. I th- I'm glad you brought it up because um, we started that project about five years ago, and um, uh, Kevin, uh, who's my longest tenured engineer, um, started the project. And we had a couple of different routes that we had started on, and then we would kind of developed to a point where we found problems that seemed insurmountable. And so then we would try, we would go at, we would change development paths or, or direction and go, okay, well, this problem doesn't, so let's make a machine that does, fixes that problem. And then, and then we would kind of find another problem. And it was just like, God, it was just like beating our heads against the wall. We weren't doing anything new, really. We weren't doing anything innovative. Uh, we were trying to overcome some things, but everything that we were seeing had been seen and everything that we were doing had, had kind of been done and other companies, you know, in other industries had made machines that were very, very similar to what we were ultimately looking at. And um, we kind of got, you know, get, you get to that place. And I turned it over to another engineer uh, because, you know, Kevin, as I got him working on other stuff, he's, he's, he's kind of moving on. And I was like, Hey, you know, why don't you take a crack at this? We've been working on this for a while. And, um, you know, took a fresh set of eyes, but the fresh set of the fresh set of eyes looked at it and, you know, listened to the stories, saw all the history. And then we started experimenting with some things that were different conceptually. We're just like, well, let's just try something completely different, different. Right. And we made like this wood chipper thing and <laughs> the wood chipper did this really crazy thing. It separated, it separated stems. So all of a sudden I had a machine it wasn't grinding necessarily, but it was moving my, separating my stems. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wow. Didn't even, didn't even really, you know, this wasn't, wasn't in the goal. So mm-hmm. how do I incorporate that into the grinding situation? And that was, you know, uh, probably six months of, of uh, kind of design, build, trial, design, build, trial. And then, um, you know, we, we ended up coming up with this final design. We had made a small, a small piece um, that, uh, again, when we, when we, when we used it, it did everything we wanted it to do and it separated stems. And we're like, this is really interesting. Is it really viable? Is mm-hmm. it small? Is it, is, is it really going to be a can it scale? Can we do the things that we think we want to do with it? Uh, so we built a big one and uh, we took it to a really big brand partner and they just couldn't believe it. They were like, Oh, wow. You know? And we're like, yeah, we got it. Uh, but they fed it too fast and locked it all up. We're like, oh, I'll start over. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, we ended up going back one more time and then that's what we ended up with. Um, so the process in that, um, is like any, I, I don't know for us, it's an interesting kind of thing, but five years of, you know, design, build, trial, contemplate, design, build, trial, contemplate, you know, design, build, trial, comp- contemplate, and and um, and what we got, what we got is magic. I mean, it's absolutely stunning. It, it does um, its throughput is 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 magnificent in in this small form factor. We can blow it up, by the way. Uh, we can get it to grind any size we want. Um, we've gone all the way down to four hundred microns, um, and we've gone all the way up to quarter inch. So, um, I mean, we could probably go bigger than quarter inch. Um, and it's just really, really, really consistent. It doesn't introduce any heat. It uh, doesn't introduce any violence, really. I mean, it, you have to do something in breaking down the buds and it removes all the stems. So on uh, the ultimate end of it, we won uh, a, a major battle, but it was a long, it was a long fought battle and it took, uh, it took quite a few people to, to uh, you know, think it and rethink it. So, yeah. What is it? Uh, what has the interest been since you introduced Model G? Well, the, the re- receptiveness has been exceptional. So, um, we've sent it out on tour and we've got it in front of people. Uh, and I think the biggest, you know, we've got 
right now we're sitting on a couple of white label opportunities. Uh, we're sitting on a couple of uh, major MSOs who are looking to adopt across the country. Um, we're looking, you know, so, and a couple of um, uh, extraction opportunities where we'll be partnering with extraction companies to, to possibly resell brand. We, we, you know, we're trying to figure those things out. So it's been exceptional. The interest has probably been greater uh, to on this product than it ever was uh, on any of our other products uh, from a focal, from a focus standpoint. Um, <clears throat> we've had some struggles with the supply chain and now we're finally on point and uh, we're starting to ship uh, and we're starting to actually get uh, starting to actually get money. So it's, it was, it was a lot of hype, a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. Uh, and then um, we got people in to early adopt and then we struggled with some supply chain issues and it bit us a little bit. So we had a little bit of a late delivery in, in January, February, and the end of February, March, we started getting, we actually got all the delivery out in the second week of March. Um, mm -hmm. So we were about a month and a half behind where we wanted to be. Um, and now we're, we've got our, we've got our, all of our kit, everything's ready to go. So um, it's been exceptional. We've been really, really, really fortunate to get the kind of feedback that we get. Um, it's high price. That's a high dollar item, um, which is, you know, kind of uh, good and bad, um, you know, because it does eliminate a certain segment, but we felt we'd come with a bigger one uh, and then maybe come back with a smaller, one, right. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. pull in the uh, smaller segment uh, with the smaller one. With the, with the supply chain struggles that you're mentioning, um, were customers at least understanding as a result because everyone was sort of suffering through it at the same time, or was it, you know, Hey, you said February, where are we at? Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're communicating consistent constantly that, you know, we're struggling with the same issues that everybody's struggling with, but ultimately the customer has heard it. And while they yeah. may be aware and they may be willing to accept it, um, they still, have a job to do and they still are looking for performance. And so you're, you're still in an awkward situation where you're trying to mitigate, you know, and you're trying not to over, you're trying not to over promise uh, and under delivery, you're trying to go the other way, uh, you know, and, and um, so you try and build these things in, but you can't. So you end up finding yourself or yourself in a kind of a, uh, uh, like a mitigating moment, right. Where you're, we're sorry. We know we're late. This is what we're going to do because we're late. We did warn you that there was going to be an issue, but here we are. This is what we're going to do. You know, and so you try and figure out ways to compensate. Um, but, you know, for the most part, people do understand it, but it doesn't change the urgency for them. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. just because I know that I'm not going to get my new Ford Bronco for, for another two years doesn't mean I'm happy about it. Right. Right. I mean, I get it. I totally understand it. And uh, but you know, it is what it is. So most of the time, they, again, they're, they're accepting, but you know, that, you know, the pain, right. They're, they're experiencing a uh, 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 shortfall because you haven't been able to deliver what, what you promised. So was, uh, were customers for the model G return customers that had bought previous uh, green rose products or were they primarily new customers? Well, it's been a mix, um, you know, because, uh, we, I mean, we've got a pretty good presence. We've got a lot of equipment out in a lot of different companies. And mm. so most of, most people who have heard of us or have seen or used some level of our equipment. Um, we've had a little bit of both. And, and again, like, so we, we've not been a force in, in extraction and that there's a reason for that. I mean, we never really found an extraction method that we like, and, you know, we're, we're more of a dry sift kind of company and we're more focused in some different areas. And, um, you know, this is the first product that's actually given us poke mm -hmm. into that, that marketplace, you know, and we were working, working with a, uh, a major brand new comp, uh, uh, new technology in the, in the solventless extraction market, uh, building them a grinder. They're like, we want 400 micron size. So we're like, well, let's see, you know, so we took this machine that we developed to make pre-rolls. We did some work. We came up with a couple of different ideas on it and we ended up being able to do it. So, um, you know, now we're able to, focus in that sector a little bit. So now we can, we can reach out to the extraction. Like I said, so now we have a couple of, of extraction manufacturers. They make extraction equipment, something we don't do, uh, but they, they're willing to come in and say, Hey, look, you know, we like it. We'd like to either uh, partner with you and resell or rebrand or, you know, co-brand. And those are all conversations we're willing to have. Um, 
because it's, 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 it's opened a little bit, uh, a few more doors for us to open up the breadth of our, of our, mm-hmm. of our footprint, if you will, but kind of give us a little bit more um, reach into the whole process. Cause we're kind of limited in, in, in our scope a little bit because we've been such a powerful trimming company that, you know, you kind of get tagged with that. We've always wanted to not be that, but you know, you kind of get tagged with it. And, and so this has kind of opened that back up and people are starting to have the conversation like, Oh, these guys do a lot more than that. But I think it's helping all the way around. Um, as part of this uh, organizational transformation, uh, can you talk a little bit about lean, particularly some of the, you know, the eight wastes of lean and how that pertains to cannabis processing? Sure. I mean, again, so back to the, you know, what we started with, which is, you know, a kind of follow on of, of that concept. When we, when I started going to uh, lean training when it was back on HP, like I said, it was brutal. Um, it was actually kind of top down approach, but, but um, I got, when I when before I moved to Vegas, I, I was having so much trouble in my shop. We were having so many difficulties and we were having so many problems with the, from the littlest things, uh, littlest, tiniest problems to the biggest. And uh, it was structural, you know, and I couldn't understand how to fix these things. And, so I started doing some studying on it and started going, and I was like, what, you know, lean, duh, I was trained. Let's go back and look at this, you know? So we started doing, mo- I mean, it was daily. I would sit and spend 35, 45 minutes every day with my team and started teaching them lean. And we started talking about what, you know, what waste, what is waste? Like defining what waste is, is a huge thing. Well, there's eight the different wastes. And, you know, of course the most, uh, the most pernicious waste is, is human potential. Right. So to have a, an employee that could be doing so much more and you've got them pushing a broom because you don't know what to do with them is 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 demeaning, demoralizing and wasteful. Right. So we wanted to attack all these different things. And uh, so we started implementing daily training, daily conversations and then started training my management to watch, you know, watch, just sit and look. And my, my manager at the time, young kid do guy. He's a doer, right? I do, I do, I do it. You know, I'll fix it. Da, 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 da. And I said, you need to sit with me. You just sit with me 15 minutes. And he was so frustrated. He walked out of the shop. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I guess that's the end of that relationship. <laughs> so he, he was just like, uh, I couldn't even, then he came back and he sat down and he mm-hmm. sat and I just, I didn't say anything. So just watch. And uh, you know, about 30 minutes later, I said, what do you see? You know, what are you seeing? And he's like, this is weird. And I said, yeah, it's weird, right? You're, you're now seeing all of this chaos and all this motion that you thought meant something positive as for what it is. It's not, it's a negative. You know, I remember I, I, like we had this young man who always looked busy. And he would walk all the way across the shop and grab a broom and then walk all the way back across the shop, sweep something up, walk all the way back across the shop, drop mm-hmm. off the broom, walk all the way back across the shop to go back to work. Like, okay, I'm going to spend five more dollars and put a broom in this corner too, right? Yeah. Eliminated 20 minutes of travel for this kid, right? So yeah. that's, that's, and that's the kind of thing that my, my management team started to understand. It's like, oh, so we can do things differently. We can provide, we can look at a, 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 a workstation or a work area as an opportunity for growth or change or, or improvement. So let's, let's move tools here. So we experimented with putting tools on different areas so that they had different access. Um, then we experimented with, um, you know, moving product through, through construction and, and timing. And we ended up coming up with a really nice uh, uh, assembly line system uh, with really good set processes in each, each segment and tools separated by segment. And all of a sudden you've got something that's really, really efficient and guys can sit. We went from, you know, making a machine every, uh, you know, every 15 to 30 minutes uh, or one guy could make one in an hour to, you know, banging them out every three minutes. So, you know, you're seeing, you're starting to see this massive change and all we've done is just kind of look at the structure and go, well, there's something wrong. What's wrong? Well, we're wasting all this time, energy and effort because we're, you know, somebody doesn't have a screw. So he has to go over to get another different screw or he doesn't have this. So we have this whole system now where, you know, if you get a machine, you get all the parts and you get all the parts to put the parts together. And then you're, so when you start on station one, you know what you're doing, but everything's in front of you. Your mm-hmm. tools are here. Your, your parts are here. 
your your everything is within your grasp. You don't have to walk anywhere. You don't have to ask anybody anything. You don't have to tell anybody anything. You know, you can just do your portion and move to the next one, and that just eliminates all of this uh, all this wasted energy. And so that was the big that was the big part of what I lost when, when I was mentioning that earlier. That's a big part of what I lost when it came to Vegas because people who had inculcated or or, or, or driven that change were no longer with me. Um, and so now we're back getting back toward that again, but now the, the structure is more, uh, it's more concrete. So, but yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing you can do as a company or as a person in anything is to sit and watch. And it's the most difficult thing you could ever do. It'll drive you absolutely batshit crazy to sit and watch people do stuff. Cause you start to understand, you know, like this, like this kid, this kid with the broom, he was always doing something. And I was mm -hmm. just like, Oh man, this guy is just a hustler. But I started watching him. Like he was always doing something, but he wasn't being productive, you know, and, uh, and that's a big part of it. You know, it's easy for somebody to fill up space through movement and it's deceptive. Right. But you, you have, if you can evaluate what the movement is, you can see where the waste is. You get somebody to be very, very productive. And that's the challenge of anybody's is getting what you pay for, getting your productivity up and getting it, that throughput up. And, and the only way you can do it is by observation. And most people won't take the time. They, I mean, literally, I, I can walk into, I walk into any facility. I would venture to guess any facility, any production facility uh, uh, in the cannabis space, and I could spend twenty or thirty minutes and give you uh, improvements that'll blow your mind. Mm -hmm. You know, because you just, it's discipline to watch. It, that's the hard part for people to do because they don't. They're too busy worrying about everything they've got to do, and not able to focus. So big, big part of it. Um, you mentioned wanting to build uh, larger cannabis, custom cannabis machines. Uh, is that where Green Bros is headed? Like fully just customized automated solutions? And what do you foresee, you know, in terms of future tech in the cannabis industry over the next five years? Yeah. So, I mean, that's exactly right. Uh, you know, David, we're, 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 we've been pushing in this direction for about two years now, two and a half years. Um, we started we introduced the first automated trimmer um, in, in uh, 2019. Um, we finally got it out. It's finally on market, right? So that's kind of the brain, central brain. And now we're adding pieces to that. So you move two directions. You move away from the trimmer toward the harvest and you move away from the trimmer toward the finished product. And that's what we're doing. We're just moving in both directions and adding pieces to the puzzle. So what the goal is, is to add intelligence, data mining, uh, and efficiency in all those processes. So what we do is add those things into those machines, right? So you're going to get a trimmer that loads and unloads itself, weighs itself and tells you how much it's gone in and out of it. I mean, it seems like a simple process, but it's a massive amount of data that a company can use, right? So you start doing that at every station and you start to find out where your strengths and weaknesses are. It's the same thing we just talked about. You can't see loss in a, in a mechanical system until you see it. Right. You have to look at it. You have to look for it. You have to find it. And most people will use these tumble trimmers and, and they use them and they think, oh, they're great. Look at the machines going through it. They're losing 30, 40 percent over what we what we produce. Right. So that's a lot. So if you if you're talking about a difference of even 20 percent between my machine and another machine, then speed is a different conversation altogether. Right. Because that those percentages are not significant. We're not talking one percent. We're talking about multiples of 10. So um, that's the goal is to go, okay, well, we can now manage the information the, from one side of the process to the other side of the process. And in between, we can now take pictures of data and go, oh, this is a problem. What can we do here? How do we fix this? How do we manage this? How do we make this better? Or this strain isn't really what I thought it was. <laughs> you know, yeah. it looked like it was great. It smells great. It sells great, but it's... 30% less efficient to process than this one. Mm -hmm. hmm. It's only 10% more valuable. I think we're going to go here, right? But decisions like that can't be made in the present environment. So companies need processing that is intelligent and thought out from, from front to back. And that's what we're doing. So yes, the answer is we will be doing systems like that. Right now we're building modular systems for people who want to live like that and don't, and don't want to spend you know, to have a custom system made. 
but we're making modular pieces that you can put together and you can collect that information as you go through. But ultimately we see it just like you see Twinkies being made. I mean, a Twinkie machine is a $25 million machine that's about 400 feet long and you put flour and sugar and water on one end and Twinkies come out in the back. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, and, uh, and that's what you said before is that that's the, your end goal for the cannabis industry. And uh, yeah. Um, how has machine design or the demands for machine design evolved over the last year in cannabis or has it stayed relatively stagnant? Well, you know, it's interesting. It's been pretty stagnant and um, we've been really pushing hard to get people to open up their eyes a little bit and think a little bit farther outside. And now we're starting to see it and uh, you're starting to see people go, Hey, wait a minute. Uh, I need more than this answered, right? Like for a long time, I was like, I need to trim and I need to trim X. And so they go, Oh, what, how many pounds is your machine trim? Ah, it's tedious, man. That's a tedious question. That's not the question you need to answer. You need to know how efficient is my machine, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. Well, now you've got me in a place where I'm going to give you an answer that's going to go on a chart and you're going to look and go, well, this one does more. I'm going to buy that, right? Right. And that's a fallacy. It's, (laughs) It's just not true. This one's much more efficient. That one may actually be faster. This is more efficient. Why is it more efficient? Because you get more quality and you get more percentage of product out of it. So um, this conversation with people is still kind of stuck in this little space where people are going, well, I just need the best of this or I need the best of that. And, and that's a great idea. It's just you don't understand what, the, what, what, you're, at, what, you're, what you're saying. You, they don't really understand what they're, what they're really trying to get. Right. And so you have to conversate, you have to have a conversation, you have to educate them about what the what really is the value point. And the real value point is in the movement from machine to machine and process to process. It's not having the best of this. It's having it all together and seamless so that you manage the machine or the equipment to see that you get the product that you want. You're not managing multiple different steps because it's all being done for you. And so there's where you, uh, I talk about this a lot. I mean, automation is more about transportation than it is anything else, right? It's about the efficient movement of product from one stage to the next stage. And that's why people are looking at, that's why if you go to a modern manufacturing facility, you see robots and all these things, they're working on something moving through a process, right? So, and then we've been doing assembly lines forever, right? Um, you know, Henry Ford figured that one out. But uh, the, 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 uh, the conversation for a person who's in cannabis has to move away from that. Well, I just want, you know, I, I bought this trimmer because it's the best trimmer. Why is it the best? Define it. You know, let's talk about what best means because best is probably not what you actually think it is. You think speed is best. It's probably not what makes the most money. Or you think that, you know, um, X is or Y is best, you know, whatever that, that point is you need to be able to step away from that and say, well, you know, what gives me more value at the end of the day? And, and that's the same observational conversation. What are people doing in their trimming? What's going on in that room? <laughs> Watch yeah. and see, and you'll know. And then you'll be like, Oh, I, Hey, if I had a conveyor that went from there to there, it had buds on it. I bet I, I wouldn't, that guy wouldn't have to get up every five minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. That those kind of conversations are, 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 are the kind of conversations people need to have, but they're not going to have them until they start to visualize or see or have evaluation. I mean, you, you can have a company like me or, or, or any number of other companies come in and evaluate processes. I'm not, you know, we're not unique in that regard. You know, come in and have a company that does lean, you know, that does lean implementation, come in and give you an evaluation. You can, you can get a lot of knowledge from that um, really, really quickly. And then you can start to implement that and it can change significantly change how you how you look at your company because these companies are going to go just like we are they're going to go from this size to this size and and this size to this size isn't a matter of volume right there's a whole bunch of infrastructure that has to be put into place for that and and that's what that's what people are starting to understand and hopefully we're leading the conversation in that direction it sounds like you know the industry is still at a point at a point where these companies have problems and they're just looking for a bandaid or a solution for that specific problem. They're not kind of seeing the bigger picture. What are your expectations for 
that transition? You know, is it is it going to be uh, a bell curve where all of a sudden one day uh, that's the way the industry goes, or is it going to kind of be um, piece by piece? Wow, uh, I mean, we're we're betting on the bell curve, um, you know, and that's why we're pushing as hard as we are to create machines that people uh, don't understand yet, right? So I'm I we 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 started selling these mini we call them inline system, right? It's a a rise conveyor into a trimmer, into a rise conveyor, into a sorter. But it's very, very, very basic. It's just two principal operations being done with two rise conveyors. So you have two things being done at once instead of a single thing, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really basic first baby steps into automation, you know, and yeah. and people are starting to get it and then and they buy them and they're like, what, what was I thinking? <laughs> well, that, yeah. I get it. You're not, it's not your problem. It's not your fault. You're, you're coming into an industry where you don't understand what we do for commodity. We, you just don't understand it because that's not how it's been done. It's never been done this way. And to your point, people are looking at it and go, I have a problem. I need to fix this problem. No, you don't need to fix that problem. You need to see the whole picture and decide which, how to fix all your problems, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to just go after this one because you may create more problems here by solving this problem. Right. You buy the wrong piece of equipment at this stage, you, you, you end up not being able to tie it into other pieces of equipment. It's costing you money because it's less efficient. Right. Or it's costing you money because your quality of product isn't as high as it needs to be or X, Y, Z. There's a lot of opportunities for loss in equipment. So you want to make sure that you're that you're considering that as a holistic approach and not just as a single solution, because, again, single solution is great. If you're in your garage and you need to get something done, as soon as you move out of the garage and you get a facility, you need equipment that, that amps up, that mm -hmm. creates that opportunity for you to be competitive with other people, because that's what's going to happen. You know, they're, they're, you're going to find that you can't get to the, like, if you just went and tried to scale hand trimming, just for the, the one thing we all know, you, there are companies right now that are outproducing the ability to hand trim. Mm. Right. Like they, they couldn't hire enough people to, to hand trim, you know, it's just not possible because right. I mean, technically, yes, they could, but look at the size and the volume of space that they're having to, you know, uh, uh, we have a company here that does a, a 10,000 pounds a week. What is that? A thousand people? Where are you going to yeah. put them? Right. How are you going to keep them comfortable? Where, you know, just like what, what if 10 of them are sick? I don't, you know, it's, it's like, this, this becomes so untenable. And so the conversation, you know, obviously, I mean, it's fun to, it, it's funny to think about it that way, but you would be surprised the number of people who don't, who can't think outside of this small little realm of focus. And they go, well, this works really well for now. I'm stuck. I like this. Okay, that's fine. But you're stuck. You know, you're stuck. You need to stop and think, look at it. I'm not saying that, that you're not doing the right thing, but do you know do you really know that you're doing the right thing? That you have the right solution where you're at? Have you looked at it? Have you spent 30 minutes looking at it? How about an hour? How about three days? I mean, the Japanese will sit there for a week. You know? And then they're like, I think I have an idea. And then they talk about it. <laughs> right. You know? So, yeah. We're not that patient, but, you know, you no, got to spend uh, some time. Yeah. Americans are certainly not that patient. So what should uh, the CEN uh, listeners and viewers expect from Green Bros next? Uh, we're continuing to add intelligence to the, to the system, right? So you're going to see the ability to, uh, you know, pull more data. So that's really going to be the biggest thing is like getting the, getting the machines to communicate to, with each other and, and bringing data through your system so that you understand where your loss and where your gains are throughout a, a, an automated system. You'll see some add-ons. Um, um, there's some technology advances that are coming um, that you'll see this year. Um, there's some that'll be coming uh, further down the road, but you'll see some technology advances this year. Um, you'll see some, fee, some, some, some movement outside of our specific equipment into other equipment so that um, you'll see some integration, some planned integration or some designed integration. Um, you'll see some stuff like that. Those are the things that you're going to see uh, sooner than later. Uh, you know, I would expect to see those before the show or at the show. We always mm -hmm. go MG BizCon's our, our big reveal party. But uh, um, that's kind of where we're pushing. You know, obviously, I, I'm always working on stuff um, that I feel 
as a disruptive opportunity uh, within the market space. Uh, so we'll, we're, we have engineers working on that. That's kind of our hush hush area. Uh, and then we have, you know, we have product design uh, or we have product lifecycle design. So, you know, my Model M went from 420 to 420, from a 420 to the Model M, from the Model M to the Model M Plus. Um, and now you have an automated trimmer, right? So it's just basically automated. It feeds itself and unloads itself. Well, what can we get out of that? Well, we could know how much it fed itself, how long it trimmed, how much the trim came off and how much came out, right? So we can start adding little bits of intelligence to that. So you'll see individual products become a little bit better, uh, a little bit more intelligent. And then you'll see um, them talking and working with other products so that we're collecting that data from front to back. And the, through the system, you know, a company is, is able to take that information and then become a better uh uh, uh, have a better view of what's happening in their systems. Um, you know, there's this great product that everybody has to use. It's called metrics mm. <laughs> and it holds all this wonderful data, uh, you know, and yeah. we should be feeding data in the metric so that a customer knows that, uh, you know, sour diesel X from this date, perform this way so we can expect it to perform this way and then if it doesn't why now we can evaluate that maybe we're having an issue or maybe we need to correct or tweak something then we can look at that and we go okay this is what we expect from this strain what about this strain and then you can look at the outflow and you go well what's the now where's the money you know and they can say well we're actually making money on more money on this strain you know versus that strain okay what's the cost what's the cost of blah, blah, blah. Do we switch over? You know, you, it's hard to make that decision right now without truly understanding all your, all your uh, value propositions. Every single point needs to be evaluated and you go, why would I do all that? It's so much work, but it is. But if you don't, you're not seeing what you're doing and you don't understand and you could be taking an opportunity for loss and in a business that's getting tighter and tighter and tighter and margins are starting to shrink uh, rapidly. Um, you know, loss is not where we want to focus. You know, we want to focus on getting on gain. So, um, speaking of change, have you been satisfied, uh, with the move to Vegas? Huh? Uh, from a business perspective, a hundred percent, hundred percent, right. Move. Absolutely. Um, I miss, uh, I miss it. I, I, I'd rather be in a different climate personally. As a human being, I don't think I was designed for this. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. For the desert. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, it's been such a great opportunity. Vegas has been really welcoming. Uh, they, they welcomed us with open arms. We, we've, we got some really good incentives to be here. And, um, you know, we have a great community here. We've gotten some really outstanding business partners in the manufacturing space of all spaces, you wouldn't expect. But uh, because of the pressures in California, you're seeing some good companies come out here. And so we have some, we've had to, we've had the opportunity to develop some really solid relationships that we probably wouldn't have developed, you know, staying in San Diego. So, uh, I mean, overall, yeah, it's a, it's a win. Okay. Um, you know, you've been really gracious with your time. Is there anything else that, you know, we might've left off or anything in particular you want to make sure, you know, uh, we don't miss this time? Uh, you know, I just think, I mean, it's it, depending, I mean, for, for anybody who's listened to this, I, I think, you know, business is an adventure and, and you need to understand that, you know, it's also competitive, you know, and, and by competitive, you have to decide who your competitor is. And, and if you decide that you are your competitor, then take a good deep look at yourself and look at your business and do the right evaluations and become better. And that's what we're trying to get people to see is like there's you can look deeply into yourself, into your process, into your structure, and you can find ways to become better as a company. Right. It's the same thing you do when you when you want to lose weight or whatever, join the gym or whatever. But, you know, it's the same conversation. Right. Spend a little time, be a little introspective, look at it. And if you need, get somebody outside to come look at it. I mean, there's companies that just do that. And it's not bad to have a fresh perspective from somebody who can walk in and take a peek. Uh, and, and, and evaluate what they see. Um, I can tell you for a fact that what I see when I go out there is a lot of people really working really hard, struggling through a lot of stuff 
and they're missing a lot of opportunity for strength and growth. And, and it's not their fault. It's not a pointing the finger exercise. It's just a reality because you're so busy trying to overcome the daily that you're missing out on the big picture. So I, that's what I would say is just take a moment, you know, um, and, and I'm going to plug somebody that I have no connection to uh, <laughs> two second lean, just type in two second lean in your Google and look at Paul Akers. That guy leaned out everything in his whole life. <laughs> and that, really? that is a run. You'll spend days on that guy. He's, he's amazing. But uh, you know, that concept of just that evaluation is, 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 is essential. He didn't lean out his family, did he? He leaned out everything. Like oh. he literally taught him. He leaned out his diet plan. He leaned out like he taught. He, he did this whole prop. He has his whole thing is like it's interesting. Two second lead, like every day, try and do something better. Like just a little bit, incremental, tiny little incremental betters. Uh, so he just applied that to everything. And he, he, you can go down a rabbit hole with this guy, but if you if you stay out of the depth of the hole, you can find out that it's really not as difficult to do to do these evaluations and to understand how uh, to approach bringing your team in and getting everybody involved and making everything better. Cause you know, people get tired of doing tedious shit and they get fed up with it. And, 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 um, and then they quit instead of telling you, Hey man, it'd be better if we did something differently. Right. Well, if you get them engaged, maybe you can save that person uh, from quitting or maybe you can improve your process and your product and your company uh, in the, in the process. So um, anyway, that is a horribly shameless plug. I'm calling Paul. I'm telling him. <laughs> I highly recommend it. It's a great study. It's definitely worth looking at. Well, Colin, it's uh, been a little bit more than 60 episodes now, and I was just really happy that you were able to be the first guy to be on twice. I appreciate that. I, I mean, uh, listen, it's always good to see other people's success. And that's part of what I enjoy most about being in business is, is seeing people who, who uh, you know, struggle through, figure it out and start. And, you know, things are different now than when we first met. You know, right. you guys have made improvements and changes and you've learned some stuff and, and it's, and it's awesome to see, man. And you're obviously having success. So good for you. And congratulations for, uh, you know, 60 plus episodes. I and mean, that's a, that's no small feat. It's easy if it's just you, but you got, you got to coordinate a lot and, uh, and kudos to you for getting that figured out. Excellent. Well, uh, Cullen, thanks again for your time. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, David, anytime, man, I'll, I'll, I'll be on three times if you want me to just give me a call. I'm- Man, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thank you. Before we get out of here, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You could also help us out a lot by leaving the podcast a positive review on whatever platform you use. Finally, if you want to email the podcast, you can reach me at david at cannabisequipmentnews.com. All right. For Colin Reichart, founder and CEO of Green Bros, I'm David Manti. This is the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast.